BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. All right, you are back in the From the Pink Seats podcast. I am Jacob Lane, the host of this show, and we do have to talk about Louisville football, even though it is with uh, a little bit of disappointment. What a weekend it was for the cards. When it rains, it pours around here. We were supposed to have a winning football weekend with T- Teddy and Lamar having great games, all kinds of good stuff, and uh, a lot of that was taken away. So let's talk about it. Matt McGavick, Louisville Report. Welcome in. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good. But before we continue one thing, I, I do have to get something off my chest and kind of rub Vince a little bit. The Yankees lose. <laughs> Get out of here, Matt. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares about baseball anymore. Yankees lost. <laughs> Nobody cared before that, but I will let you all believe that people did. <laughs> an, I am as anti-baseball as it gets, unless it's Louisville baseball, of course, because who doesn't love third and central Louisville baseball podcast and another state of Louisville podcast hosted by Matt McGavick. And of course, all the things that are Louisville baseball, they win a lot. And that seems to be the the between Louisville baseball and women's basketball, they are keeping the flagship of Louisville sports going, man. I'm telling you that now. But other than that, baseball and volleyball awful. recently. <laughs> volleyball, true. I will give you that. Yeah, that didn't take us a few minutes to get into the show without talking about volleyball, man. They are killing it. But uh, yeah, well, what a weekend it was. And we're going to talk about it a little bit here on the show. Vince Lacoco joins us. Vince, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Looking forward to this game against Virginia. Yeah, yeah. You were telling us a little bit before we went on. It's a, the alumni weekend. Is that right? Tell us what that entails. Yeah, so they're having a uh, alumni tailgate. Basically, all the uh, old players are coming back and just uh, hang out, tailgate, socialize, network a little bit. And I'm excited. It's my first one that I get to be involved with. And uh, just looking forward to seeing some guys that I haven't seen in a long time. I mean, texting Keith Turbridge the other day on Twitter, trying to get all the details for it and everything. So it's just it's going to be nice to see some people I haven't seen in a long time. Who is going to be the most famous person there, you think? If we just had to guess right off the rip, who do you think? Uh, I'll bet $10 million on Eric Wood. 
Okay, Eric Wood. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good one. That's, that's a, good a good one. You might get a surprise visit from Lamar Jackson. You think he? You think he flies in Saturday to check out his buddy Malik? <laughs> I would love that, that for sure. You think he got the email? He was on the email chain, right? Like he had to be on the email chain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to email his people to get him to get him emailed. Yeah, that's what it was. But all right, man, we got a lot to talk about. A lot of football. Of course, we're going to get into the big three, the biggest headlines around Louisville football. We got Vince's game notes, looking back at the Wake Forest game and the loss that was. Uh, and then we're going to preview Virginia in a game that just uh, all of a sudden became much more important than it probably was a week ago. All games are important, right? Everybody who says that knows that that's true or hears that knows that's true. But uh, this game is one little football needs to get the momentum going back in the right direction. Uh, let's jump right into the big three. How's that sound with you guys? Sounds good. Big, big, big three. Big three. Yeah, 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 big three, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Matthew, yeah. take it away. Headline number one, my friend. Headline number one, Scott Satterfield calling for more consistency from officials. Now, anyone who watched that game know that uh, the officials did not have themselves a uh, flagship day. They were uh, quite inconsistent, as Satterfield suggests. That's me pu- putting it very nicely, saying that they were complete, just horse bleep that it, it was not good it was i tried to not be like let my fan side come out whenever i write or tweet out like what's going on in front of me but like it got to a point where the officiating was so bad that you just could could not address it i mean between the fiasco at the end of the first half with the play clock um not not knowing a rule or not having the communication with Satterfield that Malik was designated as injured, and that's why he come, couldn't come back in on the third down play. The egregious block in the back penalty, the awful uh, fair uh, kick catch interference penalty, the discrepancy between the holding calls between the teams. I mean, it's just – it was awful. And what Satterfield normally does is that, well, not even just Satterfield, all, all ACC programs that ever after every weekend, they'll send in a bunch of plays into the ACC league office, not necessarily to complain about the call per se, but at least the way that Satterfield goes about things is that he'll send them in just to like get some feedback from the ACC. So he can kind of communicate to his players, like how they should play, like what they should do in certain situations that he has question on. Well, Satterfield wanted to send a statement, and he didn't send any of those plays in. And it was his way of making a statement like, yeah, no, I'm not going to send these plays in because I, I already know. I mean, that, and those were pretty much his exact words too. Like he said, I believe his exact words were uh, the play speaks for itself. And anyone who watched that game, it, they, they know what he means. Like the fish hitting was bad. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, granted, Louisville didn't do themselves any favors either. So you can't pin this loss all on the officiating, but the the zebras certainly didn't give Louisville any favors, that's for sure. It, it it's just one of those things where if you win the game, it's not as big of a storyline. But because there there was an L involved, it's much more of a big deal. And I will tell you, I you know I'll be quite honest with you guys, I did not see every single play. I don't know the sequence in which a lot of these happen. Two kids sometimes just happen in the middle of the football game. I was humbled this weekend. I had both kids watching <laughs> the game trying to make it work. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to miss anything. Five plays later, I'm like, what just happened? I have no idea. Um, but what I do know is where I saw the, them have the most impact, honestly, had a, a tremendous amount of um, 
uh, you know, impact on the final score. I mean, there's no way around it. Louisville football. I mean, Louisville should have won that game just based off of the field goal at the end of the first half shouldn't have happened. Um, there should have been, you know, the, the, the tip catch with uh, wake force, the guy, I mean, the ball clearly touched the ground. Um, you talked about the block in the back, the block in the back call. Um, I mean, then there were countless others that, that, that really did um, take away from a score or add a score that shouldn't have been there. Um, and it feels like Matt, you'll, you'll remember this clearly the Marquette game in basketball a few years ago, where I think it was Jordan Moore hit a three and they ruled that his foot was on the line, but it wasn't. Yeah. And then Louisville lost by one point in overtime. Um, and so it's, or, uh, you know, by a couple of points in overtime, it's a, it's a game that should never gone to overtime. That's how this felt. Uh, absolutely brutal way to lose, but you take care of business everywhere else. And it's not as big of a conversation. Personally, y'all, I, this is my first time on the other side, as we've uh, continuously talked about. Uh, over the past couple of weeks. So it's nice for me to be able to uh, finally be able to, you know, complain about the uh, referees and officiating. Uh, usually whenever you're in house, they want to keep it, you know, keep everything silent. Don't put anything on the media, but uh, Jerry Maga, I, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name should probably never officiate another ACC game. Like that is awful. That is terrible. I mean, the only people I know who can be wrong and continuously keep their job is weathermen, people that that tell the weather. That's like facts. It, like, Big you facts. are absolutely you're, – you're kidding me how this J-Town Optimist is hiring. Go get a new job. That's a strong, strong statement. I've, I feel you. But they could be wrong and have no accountability. You have the ACC on the back end covering things up, you know, putting the, the black strip on the YouTube um, condensed game, not having that play in the highlights, not having that play in the condensed version of the game. I mean, it's, there's a lot of things that, that just were so weird about it. And it felt like this weird cover up for some reason, like if, in like 15 years, if you find out that somebody had points on that game and it was being like point shaving, like I wouldn't be shocked because it was just so bad stuff that should never happen. Right. Well, like, right. Well, and, he was the same dude that messed up the Miami call, but then 15 against Duke, the Miami Duke, and he was suspended for two years. Yeah. So this guy doesn't seem like he has any business. I don't, I don't know which one was the, the main culprit. Like I said, I, I didn't have the, the fine attention to detail here, but what I do know is that in technicality, Louisville should have won the game, right? Like we can say that and have a, a gripe that's honest with the referees. But again, I mean, you can say is, that, I mean, Louisville was the better team that day. I mean, there's no way for answer buts about it. I'm so tired of being the team that's on the other side of that. The team that had the better day, but just got bailed out uh, or was on the wrong side of getting bailed out by calls. It's super frustrating. All right. Headline number two here, ESPN.com. This is a great article. We talked about Teddy and Lamar last week. Uh, the headline here, just crazy. Ravens want everyone to stop thinking Lamar Jackson can't throw. So after the game this weekend, uh, the Ravens and Broncos, in which a, a game in which the the Broncos, uh, excuse me, the Ravens won handily. I was way wrong there. I will gladly eat crow. Um, and a game in which Lamar Jackson really dazzled through the air, 316 yards, only through one touchdown. But um, the day highlighted by numerous just absolute beauties, absolute like some of the best passing I have ever seen. Um, like if, if I would have just closed my eyes and not seen who threw it, but only saw the pass as it was in the air and hitting the receiver hands, I would have been like, that's Aaron Rodgers, That's Tom Brady. Like the passing was, uh, it was spectacular. Now the numbers, again, they don't translate to that, but, uh, how about it, man? How about that game? It was a lot of fun. And it, it was great to see a performance like that from him because just like that, the headline says, I mean, the narrative for ever since he entered college, like all oh, Lamar Jackson can't throw the football. He's just a runner. He's a running back playing under center. It was, like 
when I truly don't understand when people are going to let go of this false narrative that Lamar Jackson can't throw the football because he's he's displayed many times that he very much can not only throw the football but throw it in a, in a high almost elite level. I won't go to the elite level yet because there's only a handful of guys who can do that. But like he's a tremendous thrower of the football and it's I think it's just because he doesn't fit the traditional mold air quotes of what people expect out of the quarterback even for a mobile quarterback i mean he's i mean lamar is one of one he's one of a kind when you think of dual threat quarterback there you have that traditional run and has the ability to scramble but then there's guys then there's lamar who just has so much ability in the run game oh and he can throw for 300 yards that's that's not what you expect out of a quarterback and people I, I, I guess people just don't want to accept that. And I, I, I don't understand why, because he's proven that he can throw. I mean, he's a, he's a quarterback. This is a great quote here from uh wide receiver, James. I think he says last name is pro. I don't know. Prosh, Prosh, whatever he played. He James played at Prosh. SMU. Yeah. Okay. So he's now on the Ravens roster. He said, I can't believe people were saying he couldn't throw. That's crazy. Right. That's wild. Barbaric. That's like saying water is dry. Like that. Uh, <laughs> That's great. It. That's great. It's a great line. That's an absolutely great line. Uh, super disappointing, though, to have Teddy knocked out uh, early in the second quarter because <laughs> now did we get to see how Teddy played uh, prior to getting injured? No, not really, because we were uh, forced to watch what was possibly the worst NFL game I've ever seen in my entire life between the Jets and the Titans. I mean, that game couldn't have ended earlier. Like, I, I mean – we've been forced over the years to watch the end of North Carolina, Wake Forest soccer and lacrosse as we wait for Louisville games to come on again. This is something that always happens to us. Um, But once, once it did come on and Teddy goes down, man, it just like kind of takes the air out of the room and everything that Lamar does. It's like, it's like your second kid was playing in the game and you're just like, Oh my goodness. I got to know how Teddy's doing. It it was really hard to watch. What'd you guys think? Uh, Yeah. It it sucked seeing Teddy go down that early. I, I love seeing Lamar, you know, silence the doubters just even more. The dude throws dime, dime pieces of balls. If you, if you watch a lot of his incompletions, it's because the receivers drop it. Like okay. He puts it in a <laughs> Hollywood Brown. Spot. Yeah, Let's Hollywood, Hollywood Brown. I have him on my fantasy team again, and he came through for me this week, so I'm not going to gripe on him too much. But Teddy and Lamar are – you know, they're two completely different quarterbacks, and we were just so lucky to have both of those guys at this university, and we're just as lucky to have Malik Cunningham because, I mean, Lamar taught Malik a lot of the things that Malik is doing out there on the field. I mean, you all see him pull that ball and stop on a dime against Boston College last year and cut it right upfield for a touchdown on, like, the five-yard line. I mean, just a lot – you see a lot of similarities between their games. Obviously, they don't have the same running styles because – there's only one Lamar Jackson, but we're very lucky to have those three quarterbacks in that sequence. I feel like Lamar Jackson, there's got to be something with his football throwing that makes it hard to catch. Like That's the only thing I can conceivably come up with because like at Louisville, he had problems with it. And now in Baltimore, I mean, it plagues the best of the best. It seems like, well, what is it? Well, I don't understand. It's, is it it's, just a, it's darts. He throws it. Uh, yeah, so, he, he so throws that hard. thing with so much force. Yeah, I mean, that's – and that was something that kind of plagued him a couple times at Louisville. There were a couple a couple times where I remember bringing up that, like, they they can't really have an, a short passing games because the only type of throw that Lamar knows is hard. 
because they were they were like some some slants, some drags, some quick ins and outs that receivers were dropping because he's just cocking that arm back and just gripping and ripping it just with all his might. It's just the flick of that wrist right there, man. I mean, he just he just lets it go. And everybody, you know, it'd be cool to catch a pass from a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback until you are required to catch that pass. I mean, <laughs> that thing is coming 100 miles per hour, that point of the ball. And when it hits your middle finger and it's cold outside, you feel oh, like man. all your fingers break. These dudes are just trying not to look like Tory Holt and Booger McFarlane. That's what it is. They just don't want to have their gnarled fingers when they're in their 50s with their left finger, their pinky just lightly dangling off their hand. Yeah, they're trying to have straight fingers and get through life without having carpal tunnel for the rest of life. All right, headline number three, we go to the Washington Post. Switching it up a little bit here. Uh, Virginia football continues to weather injuries despite extended preparation time. Virginia is going through or coming off of, I should say, a stretch very similar to Louisville in which they played a lot of games in a short amount of time. Um, and we're seeing the toll that that's taken on Louisville here uh, with guys like Braden Smith, Bonnie Montgomery, Cam Wilson. You know, we saw Renato Brown and, and Ashton Gelati both go out early in that game. Um, the Virginia Cavaliers are also running into injury issues um, and in this article written by Gene Wong, he, he goes into to, uh, detail about four starters who were not in uniform this past week, many of which will not play this weekend. Jelani Woods, the tight end who is tied for second on the team in touchdown receptions. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I don't, I'm going to botch this name, but, but Adi Bataria, uh, Devontae Cross, and then their kicker also is dealing with an injury. So um, in this article, it goes on to talk about uh, you know, the, the availability for a lot of these guys and who won't be there, but it, it does um, bring up the, the point of a big focal point of this weekend, Matt will be which, which backup players can execute at, at a level, um, you know, quality enough to win a football game. And, and that, and, and who, who's even going to be able to participate this weekend? Cause we've got some guys that are day to day right now. There's defensive in action Gelati, who's had a tremendous start to his football career. I mean, he's just a true freshman, but he's second heading into that wake forest game. He was second on the team in sacks and tackles for loss. And then there was uh, Renato Brown, the tackle. Uh, there were, I think two or three of Louisville's games up to that point. He was their top rated offensive player by pro football focus. So, I mean, those are two, really key impact players on both sides of the ball. I mean, and those guys are still kind of up in the air. We don't know if they're going to be able to play. And then Louisville lost uh, Cam Wilson um, against Wake Forest. And no, that's not as big a deal at the latter two, but he's a solid special teams contributor. So, you mean, you, you never want to lose guys for as long as he's going to be out, which is six to eight weeks. And then you, you lose Monty Montgomery, you lose Braden Smith. You're, guys are dropping like flies. And I, I don't want to attribute this to – the kind of condensed start that they had, I mean, playing three games in 12 days, but uh, you can't help but wonder a little bit that it's had some sort of effect on the team. This bye week can't get here fast enough. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. And Virginia is the same boat. For the first time in three weeks, they're not on a short week of preparation. That that seems like a that seems like an ACC issue that um, that, that their schedulers need to look into because – you know, we talked about it here for several, several weeks, Matt, leading up to the season, the impact that three games in 12 days was going to have on, uh, you know, young, no matter how young and how freak athletic these guys are, their bodies, right? And we're mm-hmm. seeing the impact of that. And Virginia is going through the same thing here. So, I mean, this is going to be an injury list as long as the Bible when this thing comes out. I, I, you know, Matt's going to need 2,000 words instead of 250 words writing out the injury report uh, when that gets released <laughs> ahead of the game on Saturday. 
Uh, speaking of injuries, guys, uh, we're supposed to be gaining Shy Wirtz back this week, which I, I think is going to be a huge addition for that wide receiver room. Going to add a lot of needed speed that Josh Johnson might not be able to provide for you, given that he has two, has had two ACL surgeries. But, I mean, he's doing a good job being, you know, consistent outside of that punt return for a fumble. Uh, but I think Shaw is going to add some, some, some good depth in that room that we need. Though I, I'm curious what kind of impact he's going to make because we, we still have no idea what he, he looks like as a receiver because in that, in that season opener against Ole Miss before he went out, he didn't really have a chance to do anything. He didn't log any stats. I mean, the play he got hurt on was a blocking play. I mean, he wasn't running a route, trying to catch a pass or anything of that nature. So we still are kind of in the dark as to what Wirtz is even going to look like as a receiver because, I mean, he's a graduate chancellor, but five years up to this point, he's been a quarterback. So we literally have no idea what we're going to expect. That's, that's what I was laughing at. Of course, the quarterback gets hurt on the uh, blocking play. But yeah, no I, I've seen Shaw run against our defense, and, I mean, he's got good hands. He's got very, very good speed. I mean, that's what he was known for at Southern was, I think, like a triple option. is kind of same stylistic yeah. deal yeah, that vaguely, we run yeah. here. Uh, but, I mean, he's – He's a phenomenal athlete, and that throwback pass with Braden is still available. Things like that are still available, and you can do a lot more things with having a guy that played quarterback for four years out there. Dude, his stats at Georgia Southern are just absolutely unreal. I think it's, it's something like like 6,000 yards or 30. I, I don't remember what it is, but, I mean, a lot of touchdowns. This guy is a, a – he's a playmaker. Uh, but the thing is, is that Louisville is not – really had a ton of success with transfers from lower levels jumping up and, and having big impacts. I know this year we're seeing uh, Duncan and Cole play relatively well. We'll get to them here in a little bit because we've got some gripes to, to make. The honeymoon stage is over now officially with those guys. Uh, but, you know, Louisville has – I lost my train of thought. Uh, I, don't, I don't even remember where I was going with that. But uh, oh, the, the transfers, that's what I was talking about. Uh, that, that's dad brain for you right there. But the transfers – Get this I, you man know, a I, drink. <laughs> I just have no idea what to expect out of him. Like if he goes for a thousand yards this year, I'd be like, yeah, okay. makes sense. His stats at Georgia Southern were unreal. If he catches one pass for nine yards, I'd also be like, okay, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you. That's a big addition to get back when you lose Braden Smith. I mean, you just replace one quarterback with one that's probably a little better. And, and he is hands down one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. I mean, easily the dude hates, hates losing. I remember uh, just, Hanging out with all those guys, uh, obviously being up in the offices and everything, Shy is going to want to learn as much as learn as much as possible and pick up as fast as possible in the spring. But the amount of crap that they would talk between App and Southern, oh man, it was so funny <laughs> to hear all that stuff and Myquan and Curtis Fitch and Zeb and all those guys getting in on you know ragging on him a little bit because they never, I don't think they ever lost to Southern. But uh, that's Shy Shy uh, a baller. Yeah, it's a big, definitely a big addition to the offense, especially one that, uh, you know, I thought the, the wide receivers played relatively pretty good games. I mean, I, and we're, we're going we're gonna to get into the actual football, the nitty gritty. Vince's game notes. Let's go into the best segment in sports. Vince, my friend, are you ready for the game notes? Let's do it. It's time to get down to brass tacks. Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lococo. So the first first thing I have right here is uh, third downs. 
Wake Forest was 10 of 20 on third down, and we were 4 of 12. That is telling me as an offense that we need to convert third downs. Like, you, it's, it's right there in front of your face, and defense, you need to get stops. There's no reason a team should be going 50% on third down on, against our defense. There's, there's none. You're not going to win any ball games doing stuff like that. Uh, another is the penalties. We had nine penalties for 93 yards. That is almost the length of the field, y'all. That is not good. We cannot have that stuff happen. Granted, some of the penalties were questionable with the officiating and things like that. Tyler Harrell. Oh, my gosh. The wheels on that cat are unreal. You have Fast, you got Tyler Harrell, and then you got Tutu. Because I will say Tutu has him on speed. But Tyler is adding for that great deep threat that we need. Uh, I want to see Cooley get the ball more. I want to see Travion Cooley get the ball more. Either running the ball or passing the ball or – yeah, receiving the ball, he did a great job uh, just running after the catch and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see where else we're at. Got a lot of good nuggets in here. Let's keep it coming. Love it. <laughs> uh, Malik, all right, so Malik had a good day, but those two deep balls that he missed, I'm not going to say they cost us the game, but they were, they were points left out there on that field. And those are plays that you need to convert against teams like Wake Forest. And, I mean, it's almost – Malik probably should have threw those more on a dime and a bullet pass. Throw not, a little bit behind instead of leading them. Not everybody's tutu and going to be able to run underneath everything. Not everybody can track the ball like that. You, you talked about guys, him, You talked about Lamar teaching Malik a lot of things. That's one thing I wish he wouldn't have taught him is how to sail the football <laughs> 12 yards past your wide open wide receiver. Yes, yes, yes. And, and kind of building off that, I don't mean to derail the segment, but – I mean, yeah, with all the officiating stuff that happened, Louisville shot themselves on the foot in the foot on multiple occasions. I mean, you just mentioned the overthrows, one to Jordan Watkins, one to Marshawn Ford. I mean, if Josh Johnson doesn't muff the punt, there's no halftime clock controversy to speak of. Correct. Yep. And stuff like that. There's and also the, hold on, there's also some play call play calling gripes. We're we're cutting into Vince's segments here. But we need the football knowledge. Us football noobs here are trying to figure it out. Uh, on that muff punt, what the hell? They they lined up with, in a regular like two safety deep formation. What were they even doing? It's like, I mean, I understand the 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 threat of a of a fake punt there, but they weren't in any type of formation. And you you uh, you know rewind that play multiple times, and you see four or five guys standing around with nobody to block, and then there's three guys standing you know right in front of Josh Johnson's face, and it's the reason he dropped the football. Yeah, that that is inexcusable as player. I understand coach calling that and, you know, wanting to defend them, potentially faking something. But as players, you need to lock in and figure out who's going to get who, who's going to block who. Because, yeah, Josh, JJ might call a fair catch here. But, I mean, what if Josh has 10 yards in front of him and nobody to touch? No, Nobody's, you know, nobody can touch him. Like, what – what are y'all going to do do then? You could have scored a touchdown. or You, you never know what's right. going to happen. That's why every they talk about the details in everything in that building. You want to be as detailed as possible, and that is a detail where defensively the players just, I guess, had a brain fart and misslip, and it turned into a freaking turnover. Yeah, speaking of detail, uh, I want to talk about Q Cole and Kendrick Duncan because they are two guys who sh- seem to struggle pretty mightily with detail. But before that, uh, you talk about the officiating, Matt. I mean, Louisville got lucky that that 75 yard play to Tyler Harrell even happened. If it was not for that ref having the wherewithal to duck at the, I'm talking the very last second this man yep. ducked. If that didn't happen, that play's dead right there. And we have no 75 yard touchdown. It's a different game. All right. Let's talk about Kendrick Duncan and, and uh, Quintario Cole because 
Um, I know Q Cole had the interception. He got lucky there, to be quite honest with you. You talk about sailing a pass. Sam Hartman had him. Um, I mean, he had his receiver wide open and just sailed it right over his head. But um, other than that interception, Cole and Duncan were not good. I'll be quite honest with you. Multiple times they were caught looking with eyes in the backfield, out of place. Um, you know, the, the play that I sent you guys earlier, you can totally tell that Kendrick Duncan is watching the quarterback, Sam Hart, uh, Sam yep. Hartman and that, that play and th- to decide whether he needs to come up and, and help in the run game. And he sees it and he just, uh, Taylor Moore just goes right past him for a wide open touchdown. Q Cole had another play just like that later in the game where he just wasn't watching the right guy runs right past him, uh, you know, close to a touchdown. It wasn't a touchdown, but uh, Vince, tell me what happened there. What, when you see those guys struggling to make plays and looking more like Louisville safeties last year, what happened? No, that, that was funny. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> I mean, come on. If, if you, you mirror that game to some of the games so, in the last two years, you're like, those are the same guys. I'm sure of it. That's, Oh my gosh! No, I'm they're not. gonna they're gonna pull the mask off. And <laughs> right. It's gonna be I, no, no, no. I no, told no, you, I told you all last week that the safeties were gonna be the the key position against this team. I mean, like you said, the eyes be, were in the wrong spot. I, he had no business having his eyes in that backfield. I believe it was a two by two set. Kendrick's eyes should have been at number two, regardless. It, his eyes right. just immediately went to number two. You see the ball snap, eyes to two. If two's blocking then bring it back to run and go fit your gap. But a team like uh, team like Wake Forest, I, I told y'all, they're, they're different. It's the RPO, things like that. Like, you have to have your eyes on the right spot against that team. They gave up a lot of the run plays that they did simply because they weren't in the right position. I mean, it, it was time and time again. And, and I told you guys last week, it, it's not that I don't think this football team isn't good because they've shown that they are good in spurts. They're not, when, when you line them up, and you say, go beat your man, they just aren't doing it. It's the bottom line. They're just not executing uh, in all the right moments. They're doing the wrong thing, and it's just unfortunate to watch. I mean, in this game, they they overcame so many of their own mental mistakes and should have won the football game. Like, if you can turn that momentum and silliness of these plays into positive plays, man, this is a team that can win 10 games. Like, I'm dead serious. They have the talent. They've got everything they need, but they just shoot themselves in the foot play after play after play. And Christian Bill Smith is sitting there licking his lips like, yeah, man, I'm about to get seven yards here because I know you're going to come up and you're going to think that I'm going outside, but really I'm going to cut right back inside and there's nobody there. Or they're blitzing on a first down and they build a freaking wall of, of five offensive linemen blocking three defensive ends and Sam Hartman can just walk to the edge. Like, I mean, it's just insane how some of the execution played out and it's, it's just frustrating to watch that this is happening. This, you know, I know it's still relatively early, but after an off season, when you, you praised your guys the way that you did, why is the execution not better? The, the one play that just sticks out in my head and I've watched it multiple times now, especially after you sent it, I've watched it multiple times before that was Chandler on that goal line play on the whip route. Oh, that was one of the worst covered plays ever. (laughs) When he goes out of frame and comes back in, I just lose it every time. There's no way there's a DB that's or corner that's more swollen Chandler Jones than the ACC. There's no freaking way get hands on at the line of scrimmage and control your man. And guess what? If he gets, if he gets by you hand on the hip and just rock, just run with him. Like don't go biting for an out and try and be Superman. Do your job. Do your job is how we win football games. When somebody tries to be Superman, we get screwed and we lose. 
kind of, I just watching that play the first time. I he's just going in circles and circles and circles, (laughs) just trying, trying to, in his mind, make a play, but he's just making digging himself continuously into a hole until Sam Hartman finally finds who was the AT Perry in the in the corner. I mean. When I first looked, watched that play, I had the Benny Hill theme music playing in my head, just yakety sacks. It just, he's just running over all over the place. I mean, the, the, someone of his caliber shouldn't, should never be playing like that. No, we, we also had the Wake Forest also had two receivers over 120 yards. Like, you're, you're never going to win a ball game with receivers like playing like that. And what's, what, help me because Chandler Jones was supposed to be, you know, he's a guy that I thought could be all ACC. They talked about greedy Vance being a guy capable of being the one C to the one a and one B that is Clark and Jones. I mean, the secondary has been pretty bad. I mean, I heard some, some stats this morning on the radio that I don't even want to attempt to regurgitate, but Louisville's defense in some areas is, uh, you know, sub 100. They're, they're one of the worst Mm -hmm. in um, several spots. And I would, without having that in front of me would tell you that, passing plays would have to be somewhere they'd have to be low in, in passing defense because they they let Ontario Drummond walk all over them literally walk slants up the field with fast walking mall walking type receiver um, and then they did it the week after and the week after and the week after and here we are in week five and Louisville's given up 150 yards to a guy whose name is AT <laughs> I mean come on it, it we, this is supposed to be a top 25 defense I, and maybe it's just, they need a bye week. Like I'm going to, I'm going to let that be what gets me through and, and is, is hopeful is maybe that these guys just need a break. Maybe they just need a break. Cause it, it, it has been full go for six weeks, but man, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of poor execution. Oh, yeah, we talk about they, Trevor Reed for a minute. Cause that's another play. Yeah. I understand that, um, we talked about it last week. Wake Forest has pass rushers, but my gosh, man, the film was just, it's rough. It's rough to watch. It, it, it's just, it's not what you expected all off season. And what's even more disappointing is that this is not the first occurrence from, from Trevor Reed. There have been several plays in several different games where he just gets beat bad by not even the, in a, like a, an exquisite pass rush move, like a, a somewhat simple swim move or a power rush, and he gets completely lost or just get pushed on his ass. This was not the Trevor Reed that I envisioned heading into the season because we, we knew how he was athletic, We and he ballooned up to around the 300-pound mark. We had every inkling that he was going to be loads better than what he than what we thought he could because he, he was just on special teams primarily last year and just – and elevating up to a starter's role. And we were kind of led to believe that, you know, I mean, he wasn't going to be Mekhi Becton, but he was he was definitely going to hold his own. And so far through the first five games, he's been pretty subpar, to be honest. Uh, and I got two words for y'all. Dwayne Ledford. I mm. think, uh, personally, this is uh, – Trevor, I, I don't know what he's doing out there, but I'm putting a lot of this on Coach Bick. This, I mean, how do you not get this kid better in the spring and in the summer? Fogey, you can see, clearly see, again, going against freshman Ashton Gelati, I'm sure, I'm sure Ashton was working him. If some of these dudes are over here working him with some these weak moves that they're pulling, I know Ashton was working him. Like, 
it, it, it's on Bick, and I don't think this stuff happens with Dwayne Ledford in there as your own line coach. Led's going to figure out how to motivate him, and he's going to figure out his weaknesses and hone in on those weaknesses and make them strengths. And, and even even if that's the case, I mean, Bick's someone with 30 years of offensive line and head coaching experience. I mean, this – I didn't expect this. I mean, I was just – from being around the guy, seems like an extremely knowledgeable guy and someone that the guys love and respect and, like, like playing under. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of it can be is placed on the players, but some of it is placed on the coaching staff at some point. And so far, we know which offensive linemen are really good, and we know which offensive linemen are going to be first out of the rotation. Yeah. Uh, One offensive lineman I want to talk about is Michael Gonzalez. I don't think he's he's as bad as everybody's portraying him to be. I know. I I don't think he's bad at all. He he's he's for a true freshman. He's doing phenomenal. Yeah. See, that's that's kind of how I saw it, too, Matt. Jacob, how how did you see that? I was I I think that when you have a guy who can play both sides of the line, because he did come in and play on the right side after um, uh, Renato went down, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So if you yeah, have Gonzalez a freshman, came in when Brown went down, yeah, yeah. So if you've got a swing tackle as a freshman, I mean that right there tells you a lot of things of, of how they feel about him. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, you know, you see his youth out there. You saw it on a couple of the the past rush moves where he just gets bit. You know, you know, he, he gets he goes the wrong way, and then the guy's got the 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 one up to go inside or, or vice versa. Um, but you know, uh, when you look at the offensive line struggles, it, it, a lot of it is still stemming from um, the interior of the offensive line. I mean, you still see guys being able to get pressure, being able to bull rush, and pushing into Malik. And Malik under pressure and Malik uh, with a clean pocket are just two completely different quarterbacks they're two completely different quarterbacks um and wake Forest was able to take advantage of, of louisville's offensive line and that is a perfect transition into virginia and talking about louisville's opponent this weekend um virginia has a game plan here i mean i think if anything wake forest kind of showed i mean not that anybody else had struggled with louisville's offensive line but if you get to malik cunningham and you can stop the running game you can do uh, you know a, a free up a lot of different ways to beat louisville's offense defensively I, I was thinking more of Virginia's offense, though, Jacob. I was thinking uh, Armstrong's top of the conference in yards, right? But he's top three in the conference as well in interceptions. That's an area I think Louisville, no more of this three-man pass rush BS. Like, throw that out the window. There's no reason mm-hmm. Desir Abdullah should not be coming on every single play. He's hands down our best pass rusher at this point. So put pressure on Armstrong. Force him to make some difficult throws in the back end and try and get some turnovers off of that. And their rushing game is absolutely terrible. It's cheeks. They're, yeah, it's cheeks, as we've been saying all day. <laughs> that their running backs, <laughs> running backs have 143, 125, and 114 yards on the season. That I mean, Jalen Mitchell and Malik Cunningham alone. Jalen has 331. Malik has 309. Like, come on, come on, y'all. Shut shut down the run, force Armstrong to make some stupid throws. The key here is just to keep them one-dimensional. Now, it's kind of hard to say with considering they're already pretty one-dimensional, but if you completely cut off the run and just just force them to pass no matter what, I mean, that, that can kind of give you opportunities to, like, ex- it get it allows you to expect more of what's to come because, like, the perfect comparison to Brent, uh, Brennan Armstrong is Brett Favre. He's going to sling that sucker around. I almost just said a naughty word. He's going to sling that thing around and he's, he's oh, going to throw for a, he's, <laughs> he's going to put up a lot of yards. 
It's also going to throw some interceptions in the process. So slang that thing, slang that thing. He, so they need to get pressure on him, kind of force him off of his rhythm, off of his timing. And cause it is, he's proven that he can, he has no issue throwing interceptions. So Louisville needs to kind of up the pressure a little bit, up the ante and just kind of ensure that that's going to happen more often than not. Otherwise he's going to, turn into good Brett Favre, you know, from the Packers days and not bad Brett Favre with the Vikings. Armstrong has one of the ugliest throwing motions. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, I saw it last year. Obviously, I've watched a couple uh, the Wake Forest game that they played two weeks ago, but I remember standing on the sidelines last year and I'm like watching this kid warm up. Who was his quarterback coach? I need to have a conversation with that man. What? You know, have you have you seen the the like the gif of the like really poorly shot um, drama scripted series with the oh, quarterback? Yes, it was yes. drops back. I know exactly That's what, what you're Brennan talking Armstrong about. is like, man. I'm pretty yeah, sure, like All American, mm-hmm. the, the Netflix show. Yeah, he, he also just is one of the goofiest looking fellows I've ever seen. Like, if you were to tell me that, that this guy. Uh, uh, I don't even know, man. I'm looking at a picture of him now. And what if I showed you this? If I showed you this guy, what would you think he did for a living? Hold on. What do you think? Oh, you can't see me. I have my video turned off. This is is pointless. But he looks like a mechanic, okay? And he's a quarterback. I have my video turned off here. But he's a goofy-looking fella. Like, he's not what you would typically expect to play quarterback, especially with that that goatee, man. He looks like he's 45. He just got off of a shift at Ford, and he's about to go hit up New Direction. He he doesn't look. He looks like a quarterback for like Auburn, not Virginia. Uh, one thing I was looking at, I was looking at ESPN earlier, uh, looking at Virginia stats, and I, I saw a very interesting one. Do you guys care to tell me who leads the team in interceptions at Virginia? It's going to be Anthony Johnson, one hundred percent, and he's probably got forty-five pass breakouts because he's, he he's got one pick. I'm not. I didn't follow up anything else, but I was. They, like, they've only got cool. two picks on the season. I actually he's think I saw that interception live. Which was great. I was I was a big and big time Anthony Johnson stand like one hundred percent. If you go back to the big red Louis days when when Presley and I were there and when I was running the social media accounts, there's Anthony Johnson all over. It. It's fantastic. He was a great great player here. I wish he would have stayed. Um, maybe yeah, he'd too. help. Actually, I mean, geez, maybe he'd help. I don't know. I don't know. Little, how's Rush East doing? Anybody know? Anybody kept up with Kansas State football this year? I have not. You know what? I, I just because you mentioned that, I'm going to look it up real quick. I'm pretty sure they had a big win. Did that? Did they Isn't Kansas State kind of good this year? I think they're ranked, man. I'm almost positive they are. Their their head coach, sneaky good. He's a, he's the guy from I think it was at South Dakota State that coached Carson Wentz and uh, uh, Trey Lance. I think before he got hired, or Chris Kleinman, I think is his name. All right, here are his stats in five games. He's got 18 tackles, one interception, and two pass deflections. He's got an interception. That's not fair. Because did That's he even have an interception when he was here? That's what uh, he had one in four years. Okay. He goes to Kansas state and he gets one in the first year. And then Johnson, I don't, did he ever, ha- he had one, I think with Boston college a few years ago and Louisville couldn't, couldn't yeah. get an interception until like game eight. Do y'all remember that? Anyways. All right. So here's the thing. The, the, the fact is you execute better and you're going to be in a position to win because at the end of the day, Louisville has, one of the, the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, man. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. He leads the, the country in rushing touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, or he's up there at the top. He's he's second. Um, I the think dude, there's someone at Marshall who leads with 11. He's got 10. 
he threw for 300 yards for the first time this season. That was kind of the one thing that was missing. Um, and he continues to run the football. He's not taking as many hits. He's being much more selective with when he is giving the ball up versus when he holds on to it. If he plays well, he throws for 250 to 300 level wins this game by 10 plus, 10 plus points. No, I can see it because, I mean, this game's going to be a shootout. There's no question about it. Virginia's defense is not good, and Louisville's defense has been extremely suspect. I mean, this is going to be a shootout, no if, no if, answer, buts. It's just a matter of which which defense uh, steps up. And also something to take account, is Louisville going to have another one of these long droughts like they've had the last two games? Because now that's now two games in a row where the offense is, like, really clicking, looking really methodical, looking like they're about to just blow the – blow the doors off of their opponent, and then they just come just grinding to a street, screeching halt. It was worse against Florida State than it was against Wake Forest, but in both instances, it's like the offense flipped the switch. They went from just methodical, just driving down, looking sharp, looking poised, looking decisive, and then all of a sudden they can't, they struggle to go like even a few plays down the field. Like they, they can't do that if they want to have sustained success and generate more wins and losses. They, they have to continuously drive down the field and just not stall out for like three, four, five drives at a time. In the areas where we said they needed to get better, they're not getting better. That's the thing. And, and health is a big part of that. Like, I think if Ashton is healthy on Saturday against um, Wake Forest, that's a completely different game with his pass rushing because they were getting no pass rush in the second half. Absolutely none. I talked about the wall earlier. I've never seen that happen before where Louisville's, I mean, where a pass rush gets pushed to one side of the field like that. And there's literally nobody else coming from any other direction. Their pass rush, they're, they're blocking and being able to protect Malik, being able to limit the, 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 the um, press and, and the guys being able to get into the backfield. Um, they're not better there and they're not better in, in just in general execution. And because of that, that's why I'm worried about this game because they're, they're not doing what they, what we thought they'd be doing. They're not covering the past way that we thought they'd be able to cover. And this is a, this is a Virginia team that will put up 500 yards on you. Like if you let them, they will do that gladly. I mean, they've oh, had a yeah. hundred yard receiver in almost every game at 181, 183 yards from their leading receiver um, against North Carolina. Like if they can do that to North Carolina, which I'm not saying North Carolina is great by any means. Like they've got the ability to do that to Louisville. Um, and Louisville's, I'm hoping they're going to feed off of the crowd being back at home. Um, I'm excited to be in the building, uh, taking my wife to her first game in like three years, man. No kids. It's going to be fantastic, man. I can't wait to get back out there, but I, 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 they just have to figure out the execution thing. And this is a completely different ball game, man. They're top five team in the ACC. If they figure it out, uh, on that slide play, uh, the only thing that I could think of, I'm just since you mentioned, I've been trying to put myself in the brain of whoever that end was right there on that play. Uh, I, I assume he on the backside because the line was sliding left. If you're on the offensive side, the line slid left. If you're on the defensive side, it slid right. Maybe he was thinking it was a, I don't know, some kind of run and he was trying to get in his gap in that, yep. in that B gap. But football one-on-one tells me if he's closing like that, Quickest point to A and B is a straight line. Why would you not go right off his, that tackle's butt if he's screaming across your face like that? Right. And trying to make a play in the backfield that way. It's doable. We the Dudes are athletic. You play in the ACC. 
look, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. There's, there's so many frustrating moments, but for every frustrating moment, you get Tyler Harrell going 75 yards. Like it, it's just a flip of a switch with this team. And if they can just get that switch and keep it flipped on, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you all right now. And Matt will tell you, I have not always been optimistic. This team can win eight games. If they get it going and they're consistent, they can win eight games. They still can. That's an attainable goal. But if you come and you lose to Virginia and that puts you at what? Three and three going into three a bye three, week. Yep. You've lost two games in a row. People start questioning, hey, was Central Florida a fluke? Did Florida State, was that really who Louisville was in the first half or were they more the second half team? And then all of a sudden, Scott Satterfield's right back where we were when the season started after Ole Miss. Like, this is an important game because it really kind of hinges on whether this is five, six wins or this is an eight-win team because there's a, there's a there's Virginia on the schedule and then you have Clemson and then you have NC State and then you have Syracuse and Duke. You know the teams that you're not going to beat. You know the teams that you are going to beat. This is a team that you have to beat. Um, yeah, there's a handful of really tough games down the stretch. Like, like you said, Clemson, Clemson might not be what they have been in the past, but it's still Clemson. They got a bunch of dudes. I'm still really high on NC State. Kentucky apparently is a top 25 team now. I mean, you, you've got guaranteed wins in Syracuse and Duke because those two teams are trash. But th- this, like you said, this could be an eight-win team, but they can, they must. It is imperative for them to stop shooting themselves in the foot. They are their own worst enemy right now. And until that stops, I mean, th- this team is going to be doomed to six and six if that keeps up. Yeah, that's a spot you just don't want to be. Like, like mediocrity is just, oh, it's such a hard spot to be in in any sport. But college football, when you're just like six and six and you go to the Idaho Potato Bowl, it's like, what are we supposed to do with this? I, I don't want to be at the Idaho Potato Bowl. I want to be playing in the Orange Bowls. Like, let's get it together. Let's figure this out. And that's, you know, that's kind of what's on the line. It's potato bowl or bust here. That's where we're at. I'm just kidding. You don't want to go to the potato bowl. All right. Predictions. Uh, what stands out? Let's just kind of wrap the show up here and put a bow on what we think. Um, I'll toss my prediction out there. I think Louisville is going to win this football game, and I think they're going to win it with a really, really good bounce back performance from their defense. Uh, I'm going to go Louisville 31, Virginia 17. I really, really do think that they're close to figuring this out as long as everybody is healthy. They don't sustain any more big setbacks. Um, They figured out what to do um, on third down plays on offense. They're getting better with running the football and getting positive yards. The defense is, it's just, you just, just tighten it up just, just a little bit. Like, let's just get our eyes in the right place. Let's watch the film. And I'm telling you this, this, this secondary this week and bounce back, get a couple of picks and we're right back into talking about, like I said, eight wins, man. Let's go. Let's get this figured out. I unfortunately am not as optimistic as you when it comes to the secondary part, at least. But I am actually predicting a Louisville win. I'm going to go 41 to 38. I'm going to go with an absolute shootout because Virgi- th- these games with Virginia have been really weird. The only one in the last like seven matchups has been a blowout and most of them have been decided by single digits and they've either been like really low scoring games or just absolute barn burners. I think this one's going to fall in the latter category. Malik and company are really good. Brennan Armstrong can really spread that ball around. Now the key is, is Louisville going to capitalize on defense at all? I mean, based on what I've seen so far, I really don't know, to be honest with you. And so and, until they change things, I'm going to, I'm just going to stick with what I feel, and I think it's 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 going to be a shootout. So 41-38 Louisville. 
if Louisville scores 41 points, I'm going to be so drunk. It's not even going to be funny. Like <laughs> I feel, I feel like it, the more they score, the more I'm going to have to drink because it's just, you get excited in there. You can't help yourself. God, if they score 41 points, my wife is going to be pissed. All right, Vince, what do you got? The beer lines are shorter, Jacob, so you will not miss an entire quarter of football <laughs> if when we do score that many points. Uh, I'm going 35-21 cards. Uh, I think Armstrong is going to throw two interceptions during this game. One of them will be to Trey Clark. I think this defense took last game personal. They saw their miscues. Yep. They, they see that every problem that they have is a fixable problem. It's not like we need a different guy in here, this, that. The, the, like, the guys are good. The guys can play. Now let's just put it all together, play yeah. a complete game, offense, defense, special teams, and let's just go win. Let's, let's just go win. I feel like we just said the exact same thing, like just different words right there, that we are in line, we are feeling each other. This is absolutely incredible uh, because that's where I'm at. Like that, I just, I look at this, I look at the Wake Forest game and I watch it and I say to myself, this is a team that should have won this game, honestly, by 14 points. Like realistically, I know that's not the case and you're, you can call me crazy and a homer, but they bring that type of energy and they execute just a slight bit better. Guys are in the right place and they clean it up, man. You, there, there's no reason you should lose this game here. I'm going Yasir Abdullah, two sacks, one interception, and a touchdown. I'm going to say he gets a defensive touchdown, and I can't wait for it, man. I, I'm telling go. you, Doug. I'm telling you, man. It, 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 it's already been a really promising start for Yasir, but just I, I feel like it's just getting to be the tip of the iceberg here. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. This has been such a fun start to the season. I know it's not been exactly what we wanted, but uh, I got to tell you, with all the hecticness going on in my life, I don't have as much time to, to feel bad about losses, but I sure as hell get to have fun coming in here and talking about it. That's for sure. My wife is like, I just 100%. can't wait for you to podcast so you can stop talking to me about this shit because I don't care. <laughs> but the two kids, the I, there's a lot of craziness. I just need the, <laughs> I just need my kids to be able to see some winning football. It's not been great since they've been born. Hopefully we're going to get a turn back around this weekend. As always, make sure you are uh, subscribed to the podcast from the Pink Seats, anywhere podcasts are found. If this is your first time listening, we thank you for tuning in. You can find us, uh, like I said, anywhere podcasts are found. Matt, you can find him, uh, the Louisville Report, Sports Illustrated, at General Wasp on Twitter. Up to date on nope. everything Louisville football. Nope. Nope. I changed nope. my Twitter nope. at remember. Nope. I finally I finally did Wait. it. I did it for professionalism's sake. You didn't you didn't see that? I, I saw it, man. I pay attention. This is breaking. To you. Don't news. worry. Hold on. Did you really? I did. This is no. like a this is like a you graduated to big boy journalism. Yeah, I, I did it for professionalism's sake. It's it's now the boring ass Matt underscore McGavick. The name of this podcast is going to be R.I.P. General Wasp. <laughs> the Wasp right, is dead. At Matt right. McGavick, not Matt McGavich. And Matt, we need to talk offline about that chili, man. I still have. Do so you know many who did that? About, I don't, but it's amazing because they spelled your name wrong. Matt McGavick. And I want to get this off my chest. Yes, it might not be traditional chili, but there was some mother bleeping chili in there. I just happened to put cheese and Fritos in there. You know no, what? It was, was it was freaking delicious, and I will do it taco, again. Taco soup. But you've officially made it now that your food has a Twitter account. Somebody is trolling you, <laughs> spelling your last name wrong. It's my favorite thing from this past week. But anyways, appreciate you guys tuning in. You can follow him at Matt McGavick. That is MC Matt underscore McGavick. Okay, I see. I don't know. I'm just, just <laughs> you're still like names. frazzled from the news of me changing my Twitter ad. <laughs> oh my goodness. And if you can follow Vincent at Vincent Lococo, <laughs> he's not changing his name, it stays the same. 
Appreciate you guys tuning in. Go Cards. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.